This is No Love Live with Pastor Tim Warholic. Tim is the senior pastor of Paradise Calvary Chapel in Las Vegas, Nevada. Happy Resurrection Day. Here we are, super blessed by everything that we're considering this morning. I hope you woke up early, read some of your Bible with yourself or with your family, and meditated on the things that God has been doing in your life personally, which I hope is a lot. And I want to bring us back to something that we see in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. The Bible over and over and over and over again addresses two things primarily, death and life. Satan is the enemy of our souls, and his intentions for us is to live in death. Not just die eventually one day because of the effects of sin, but to live on a daily basis in death. And God's intention from the beginning is always to bring us life. Even in a state of death, even in a state of hopelessness, he brings hope. The title of today's Easter message is Glorious Life because Jesus said, I came to give life and life abundantly. And we as Christians can have confidence and hope that his desire is to give us life and not to dwell in death no matter what's happening around us or what's going on. His heart for us is life. You know, my kids went through this stage recently, and I'm not sure where it came from, but they, they, they started to say, what if this would happen, or what if that would happen? And it was before all the craziness of these days. It was a few months ago. And they would say, what if this? What if that? Hey, Dad, what if a deer jumped out in front of us? Or, hey, Dad, what if that happened? Or, hey, Dad, what if? And one day, you know, starting to kind of frustrate me a little bit, I said, hey, kids, let's stop focusing on what if. And let's meditate a little bit on, think about what is. And as I was thinking about Resurrection Sunday this year and thinking about all the things God has done and is doing in these, in these times, I think that that's a word for you and for me. I want to encourage you, instead of asking, because I hear this question so frequently now, on a daily basis, what if this, what if that, and adjustments are made. Here's some numbers, here's some new numbers, here's some facts, here's some contradicting facts. Everybody has opinions, but instead of asking yourself, what if, stop. And this is what I'm doing. I'm asking myself, and, and we can do this together, we can ask the question, what is? And this is what I mean by that. What is should be replaced by what if, and we should insert God into it. What is? God is. So number one, I have seven God is's for you, for your what ifs. If you have a what if question, God is good, 100%. Number two, God is kind. God is love. God is merciful. God is long-suffering. God is all-knowing. God will never leave us or forsake us. And there's many more that we can come up with. Looking at the word of God, we can see there's many God is statements that he has made for us to dwell in safety and security and hope and life. If the what ifs come in and start to overwhelm us, 
start to replace it with an answer to the what if is God is. God is the answer to that what if. We're looking at the resurrection of Jesus today. And I have to balance this life and death because it's something that I've experienced my whole entire life. And I don't know about you guys, maybe you're not like me, but I lived in an environment growing up where there was a constant question of life and death. Now, not that that I had a bad upbringing, not that I wished that it was different, I had a good upbringing. But as far back as I can remember, people were talking about uh, the end of the world and, and everything as we know it ceasing and grinding to a halt. Remember back in the 80s, there was this this movie made about Nostradamus. Maybe some of you uh, saw that or heard about it. And Nostradamus was predicting the end of the world through the 80s and and then through the 90s as well. They remade that movie in 91. And there were these people that came out and I remember as a little kid, probably 10 or 12 years old, sitting in my living room, watching this movie about Nostradamus predicting the end of the world was imminent. And then you had the first Gulf War. You had the end of the Cold War. And you know how everybody felt during that time. Then towards the end of the 90s, you had Y2K. And then after Y2K, you had 9-11. And then after 9-11, you had the second Gulf War. And and it seems like it's nonstop question of, is this it? And instead of saying, what if, let's find ourselves coming full circle back to God is. God is sufficient. And he doesn't need me to figure things out for him. And imagine whatever you're thinking and processing through right now, however you communicate that to others, think of all the people that communicated false truth to others the past 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And instead of trusting on the statistics and the the opinions and the professional outlook, trust God because he's good and he wants you to live in life. This is the essence of the, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is the big question of death and life, and it's Jesus Christ overcoming death with life and offering this life to everybody who will follow him. Remember last week on Palm Sunday, we covered uh, seven characteristics of the kingship of Jesus Christ, but we focused in on six of them, and then seventh was the rejection. But this morning, I want to bring up two to your remembrance that we covered. The first one was in John chapter 12, and it was, Therefore the people who were with him, when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, bore witness. And, And the title of this characteristic of the kingship of Jesus Christ was the king of life. Lazarus was dead. Jesus rose him from the dead. He's the king of life. In John chapter 11, verses 23 through 27, speaking to Lazarus' sister, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again, Martha said to him. I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at that last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, 
Yes. The resurrection is so much greater than just Jesus. And I would like to be careful with this statement like that because it should be enough for Jesus. But he takes the resurrection and something that he personally experienced, he says that we're going to experience as well. Another character, characteristic of Jesus' kingship that I wanted to look at is the king over death, the king of life, but also the king over death here in John chapter 12, verse 23 through 24. But Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come that the son of man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. See, our perspectives on life and death are so radically different from what Jesus' perspective is. Jesus' perspective in obedience is if he dies, much, much fruit will come out of not only his death and resurrection, but for all the rest of eternity for all these other people as well. Something that seemed so difficult ended up being something that was pretty simple that brought an abundance of fruit to all of mankind. We're going to read through the resurrection account as we typically would on on this day. And then we'll get into a couple things about the resurrection that pertain to us that I want to remind us of. Some of my favorite verses in the Bible about the resurrection. So before we get into John chapter 20, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. God, we have this great exceeding hope, this hope that does not disappoint, that we can always stand on, that we can always come back to. And through these times, if we don't have that hope, this is a perfect opportunity for us to cry out to you so that we can receive that hope, so that it can be exercised, so that in faith, by what we say we believe, We can experience who you are, what you went through, so that we too can be partakers of life now and also for all of eternity. God, we love you. And even though we we are not here together, just as your word says, we are together in spirit. Thank you for my brothers and sisters. Thank you for this, this technology that you've given us this time that we can seek you and cry out to you and and really have confidence that you are who you say you are and we can have a sure hope in you. We love you and we pray that you bless your word today in Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 20, starting in verse one. Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, have you taken away the Lord out of the tomb? And we do not, they have taken him away of the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they ran together and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb and saw the linen clothes lying there and the handkerchief that he had had around his neck, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded together in a place by itself. 
Then the other disciple who came into the tomb first went in also. He saw and believed, for as yet they did not know the scriptures that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. I always find it interesting that these scriptures or these words that Jesus spoke to his disciples come to remembrance after the fact. And this is something that you can have some kind of confidence in if you're sowing God's word into your life. And, and you're not sure exactly what tomorrow holds or what's going to happen. If you're sowing God's word on a regular basis, I'm not kidding. If you're reading the word and sowing it in your heart, it'll come to remembrance later when those things come to pass. That would provoke a question of what if. And your response can be because you've received God's word and it produces fruit in you. The response is God is. God is faithful. What happened? To we know this disciple that went into the tomb, what happened when he saw the linen garments on the ground or on the, on the, the burial space? It says that he believed. And sometimes we could struggle with the things that we know to be true beforehand, but as we go through the trial and we see God's hand evident in it, we have to naturally come to a place of embracing and believing the words that he spoke to us and what is truth. Verse 11, but Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb and she saw two angels in the white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus was laying. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. Now, when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have yet not yet ascended to my father, but to go to my brethren and sit, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am send, ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Remember that last verse that we referenced? John chapter 12, verses 23 and 24, Jesus said to them, the hour has come that the son of man should be glorified. And not many of us think of our death in the physical sense or anything that we have to die through or to in life. We don't typically think that there's gonna be glory or the glory of God that comes from it. But the reality is Jesus says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and die, there, there's no life, there's no fruit. What was the glory that Jesus was talking about? The glory was his death, burial, and resurrection. That was the glory that was going to be shown to not just Mary and, and his disciples, but to many in the city at that time, and then in, to, to the degree that, that we understand who Jesus is to the entire world. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. 
Jesus's heart for the for his disciples in their darkest hour of distress, the first thing that he says to him to them is peace. Be at peace. Don't be afraid. Verse 21, so Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now remember with me that Jesus said, it's better for me to leave than to stay here with you, because if I leave, then you could receive the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in my life is one of the, you know, if not the main thing, the the person of God in my life that testifies that God has given me life, testifies that God wants me to live in life, not to, to live in fear, not to live in death, but to live in confidence that not only do I have life today, and I have life tomorrow, but I have life for all of eternity. And I told you last week, and I've, I've mentioned this a few times over the last few weeks, you know, when, when the gospel was shared to me as a young person, this is the way that it was shared. It was, it was if you accept Jesus as your personal savior, you get to go to heaven forever. And if you don't, you're going to go to hell forever. I, I really don't think it's going to be hard for you to convince me that that's the essence of the gospel. The essence of the gospel is really God desires us to know who he is. Therefore, he sent his son to pay the ultimate price to reconcile us, to redeem us back to himself. John chapter 17, verse three, this is eternal life. They would know you, the one true God and he whom you have sent. So yes, maybe the state that you find yourself in right now is a question, what if, that leads to death. But I want you to know that God doesn't want you to dwell so much on the eternal or on the tomorrow of could I suffer through serious tribulation, even ultimately could I die? We're all going to die at some point. But Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life and whoever believes in me will not die, but have everlasting life. Now, when I was a younger believer, I will be, the, I'll be honest with you. Um, I was still uncomfortable with this whole concept of, of physically dying. I believe Jesus saved me from my sins. I believe that I was reconciled and had a relationship with God. I was experiencing that. It was amazing. And then I picked up this book to read as a baby Christian the first year or so. And, and it was a book that, that one of my friends had given me. And it was, maybe you've heard of it. It was Fox's Book of Martyrs. And here I am reading through this book, Fox's Book of Martyrs, if you've read about it. And it's, it lists all of the people over decades of time that gave their lives in a, in a persecuting environment, laid their lives down and were murdered for the sake of the gospel. And I remember one day sitting at my parents' kitchen table, reading Fox's Book of Martyr, Martyrs, overwhelmed by one of the stories that I just read. And I said, God, I love you and I really enjoy, you know, my relationship with you and getting to know you. But like, you know me better than I know myself. And I just have to confess to you that these are all great stories, but I'm, I don't know if I'm re- really willing to lay my life down. Fast forward a couple years later and 
the Lord had directed me to move to Europe to the mission field, to train to be a missionary and go out as a, as a missionary and plant churches. And there was a lady that told my mom that I was in disobedience to God, and if I went, God was going to kill me. False prophetess, of course. I hope that she's watching so she knows that she's a false prophetess. <laughs> but I struggled. It was the week before I was supposed to leave, and I struggled. And the Lord gave me a verse in Acts when Paul is going to Jerusalem, and all of the elders are crying, and they're begging Paul. And the prophet Agabus binds him with his girdle with his belt and he says so will this man be bound if he goes to Jerusalem everybody's saying don't go Paul don't go and Paul said emphatically because he knew that he was supposed to go he said if I have to go to Jerusalem and die for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ I will go and he ended up going we know from the account in the book of Acts that he didn't die that he went on to serve the Lord for many years after that well, for however long that was, it, his life did not come to an end in Jerusalem. And it was from that verse that I finally got to the place that I said, if, if, if me moving to Europe to spread the gospel costs me my life, I'm not only willing to go, but I'm willing to go and give my life. And it was from that point on that God started to show me the abundance of life because I had, I had released the fears of my own personal responsibility of taking care of myself, making sure I was safe, making sure I was protected, making sure that I had enough hand sanitizer. And I'm not kidding. You can ask Grace in Bible college. I was the hand sanitizer king. I had a gallon bucket of it on my internship desk. And anybody that wanted to come near me, they had to clean their hands first. My point is that if we hold on so tightly to this life, if we try so passionately to protect ourselves and even those that we love, and we don't come to the place of saying, God, your life for me is better than any life that I could have for myself. I let go of, of, of my expectations of life. I let go of my own personal ability to protect myself. I let go of where I want to be and where I try to find myself on a daily basis. When we get to that point where we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, then we will begin to experience what abundant life looks like. And I know that, that can, there can be a disconnect. I know that that can be hard to understand, but, but I've seen it over and over and over again in people's lives. And I've heard it over and over and over again. It wasn't until I gave up that I truly experienced all that God had for me. But we in our humanity, we in our what ifs, we in our pride try to preserve our lives and therefore keep ourselves from really fully receiving all of the glorious life that God wants to give to us. This is the story of the resurrection. This is the power of the resurrection, the release from fear, the abundance of peace, and the presence and power of the working of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He says, it's better for me to leave so I can give you the promise of the Father. Now we walk in confidence by the Holy Spirit that nothing can come near us and his promises that he'll never leave us or forsake us. This is the power of the resurrection. 
This is the power over death. Now, some of my favorite verses in the, in the epistles that talk about the resurrection is Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you want to turn there with me, we'll go through some of these verses. These are powerful, profound verses that are really beneficial for us to, to hunker down and meditate on. Starting in chapter 15, verse 35 through 38. But someone will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that that body that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he pleases, and to each seed its own body. Now, this is the good news. Not only are you going to partake in the resurrection, but the body that you see now, I don't know how many of you are happy with your earthly tent habitation, but if, if God is saying to me that this is my earthly habitation, this is, this is me as a seed, what's it going to look like with a glorified body? And Paul rebukes him. I love it. He rebukes him and he says, you fools. Don't you know that whatever is buried first has to die? And then when it dies, the expectation is that something from that seed, a flower or, or what, it's going to be exceedingly more glorious than the seed itself. Let's uh, jump down to verse 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. Now, this is one of those verses for me in the New Testament that is, that is extremely powerful. This is the demonstration of, of what the resurrection is. We are corrupt. And we as seeds, uh, when we die, we're sown in corruption. But what's to be raised up in the resurrection of the dead? just like Jesus demonstrated as the first fruit of that. What was sown in corruption comes, is raised in incorruption, incorruptible. So think of the difference between your earthly dwelling, your tent, your body, versus incorruption, your heavenly body, and it's not really to be compared. Verse 43, it is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. What's our expectation in the resurrection? If Jesus was glorified in the resurrection, then you're going to be glorified too. The expectation is that death will not reign, corruption will not remain, but the glory of God will be demonstrated through your heavenly body in the promise of the resurrection. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. And the last Adam, Jesus Christ, became a life-giving spirit. Let's jump down to verse 49. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Verse 53, for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on 
immortality. This is one of my favorite verses to read at funerals and memorial services because there's nothing like the feeling of death that, that, that is so closely connected to corruption. And the word that the Lord gives us is this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. That we experience corruption, we experience mortality for a, for a little bit, but God's intention through the resurrection is incorruption. His intention is immortality. So when this corruption is put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Man, if that's not a closing word for us this Easter Sunday, this resurrection celebration, let's look at it again. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. Keep going, church. Keep going. No, don't ask the what ifs. Ask the what is. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. I want to close with this. John chapter 11, verse 25. We already read it, but I want to read it again. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. My question to you is, as Jesus's was to her, do you believe this? Do you believe this? This is the perfect opportunity for so many people around the world to experience the resurrection power through Jesus Christ, whom God sent his only son for the sins of this world. This is the perfect opportunity. And I want to give you this opportunity this morning. If you have never received Jesus as your personal savior, repented for your sins and humbled yourself, that his sacrifice was made on your behalf for your reconciliation to God. If you've never done that before, I want to give you an opportunity to do it this morning. This is very important. This will be the most important decision that you've ever made, and it will change the trajectory of the rest of your life. I can tell you confidently that if it wasn't through Jesus Christ, if it wasn't because of Jesus, I would still be living a day-to-day -day death march like so many of you, living a day-to-day -day death march. And, and I talk also to, to you other guys, you, you, you who, who are on a day-to-day -day life march, you can testify of this to others. Do it. Confess. Say, I have this hope because of Jesus Christ and, and, and him alone. There's been given one name under heaven by which we must be saved. 
That's the name of Jesus Christ. So if you this morning have not made that decision, I want to pray a prayer with you. And I pray that you'd bow your head and pray this prayer with me to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Let's pray. God, I realize that I need you. I don't know how much you want me to know you, but I want to know you. And I ask that you would forgive me for my sins through your son, Jesus Christ, that you'd reconcile me to have right relationship with you and that you'd reveal yourself to me, who you are and what the purpose that you have for my life. Please give me the gift of the Holy Spirit so that I could be led by your spirit into life and stop walking in the flesh into death. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray these things in his name. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer with me this morning, I want you to reach out to somebody that you know that's a believer and tell them that you did it. You can comment in in our comment section. You can write us an email. We want to get in touch with you. We want to connect with you and help you in your journey, help you in your walk with the Lord to to experience the resurrection power of life that he wants to give you. And then for you, uh, you believer who, who have fallen to the wayside, you've been, you've been tangled up in the worries and concerns of this world and, and you've been influenced by things that, that have no business influencing you and, and you realize that now. I'm not even gonna lead you in a prayer this morning because you know what you have to say. You know what you have to do. You go in your room, go in your prayer closet, get on your knees and, and ask God to get you going in the right direction again. And I want, you to, I want you to know this. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who walk according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. I'm not saying this to condemn you. I'm saying this to, to plead with you, to, to, to cry out to him, to get going back on the right track again. Because God doesn't want you to, if you are experiencing the pressure of negativity and death that the world's experiencing right now, God doesn't want you to remain in that place. He wants you to go to the place of light, the place of life. We love you guys. Please reach out to us. Be in touch. We're going to have all of our stuff rolling out this week, different Bible studies, and looking forward to hearing from you. Please uh, share and, and, and shout out in the comments that let us know you were here. We love you. And let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this time in your word. Thank you for the promises of who you are. You are good. You are kind. You are faithful. You are selfless. You are long-suffering. And help us not to focus on the what-ifs right now. Help us not to focus on the what-ifs ever, but to really remain and abide in the shelter of the Almighty, confident in who we know you are and what you're going to accomplish. Father, bless your church this week. Give us power and boldness in your spirit to go out and love and share with others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, guys. God bless you.